0: Hi and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan and join me as we step into Godzilla, King of the Monsters, in today's statistics episode. We read the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. been a while since we've done a statistics episode, but it is summer. Big movies, big budgets, big casts. It's time to get back into the swing of things. Um, I tweeted this out, but all of this week's episodes are going to be statistics episodes, uh, and then next week we'll kind of go back to the normal flow of things where, you know, statistics, general, review, they're all kind of mixed together and mingle together after that. Uh, so, Today, we got Godzilla, King of the Monsters. This is uh, a brand new 2019 film that I saw um, on May 30th, 2019. It's a 2019 film. It is approximately 2 hours and 2 minutes long. There is an end credits scene. Uh, at, the, at the tail end uh, of the film, but it's it's really not much to worry. I, I don't know. It's hardly even worth staying for, if I'm being honest. My brief synopsis. All of the titans around the world wake up. Pretty straightforward. Uh, I ended up giving this film a 34. Uh, last I looked, it had a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. That places it 62nd out of all the films I've seen from 2019, and 5,775th overall out of the uh, 7,700 films that I've seen. So it, it's pretty low, it, it's, it's pretty far down the list. <clears throat> uh, I wasn't a huge fan, I, I vastly uh, enjoyed the 2014 Godzilla more, I liked Kong Skull Island a lot more. And, I I don't know, I just, it has the spectacle, it absolutely does, it looks really good when it focuses on the spectacle, but spectacle is not enough for a movie. Um, It can make it mildly enjoyable and even have some great scenes, but you need some level of characters that are cared about, you need some level of writing, and Godzilla King of the Monsters does not have either of those things. Um yeah, so uh there there's a, there's that um it, it does pass the Bechdel test, I believe uh you have a handful of female characters, but predominantly you have Vera Formiga and okay, pause full disclosure um sounds like there's a little shift in the audio here. there's a reason I it is currently 1124 I finished recording this episode two minutes ago, and I went to my Audacity application, and it had stopped right where I just picked up. So here we go. From the top. Let's do this. Um, okay. Vera Formiga and her daughter, Millie Bobby Brown, have many conversations about the movie, passing the Bechtel test. It's a PG-13 film. It is the 766th 766th Best action film is ranked 734th in adventure films, 618th fantasy, and 500th in science fiction. It is the third film in the Monster Universe, uh, after Godzilla and Kong Skull Island. It is the worst of the three, dropping their average rating down to 55.67. They haven't. They are all three combined are a little bit over six hours long uh, now. Um... All right, Director. Here we go. Back to back at it. Uh, Director Michael Doherty. This is the second film of his I've seen dropping his average film rating down to 41 even. It's his second film rated between 25 and 49 and worst film overall coming in behind Trick or Treat. He's got a value of negative 2, a score of 18.5 and is ranked 2,132nd overall. Tied with a bunch of people. One spot behind Nora Shapiro. Who directed *Time for Ilhan* and one spot ahead of Angela Tucker, who directed *Asexual*. The direction of this film isn't the worst part of it. It certainly doesn't help. Uh, and and Michael Doherty, I think *Trick or Treat* knows a lot better what movie it is. And *Godzilla: King of the Monsters* um, veers far too veers way too far into. It's it's odd, like this is a movie that says we just really only care about the monsters fighting, and yet we still have an hour, hour and 20 minutes worth of this movie that has no monsters in it. So, I don't know, it, it just feels like a movie that doesn't congeal uh, properly. So there's that. Writing. Three writing credits on this movie. Uh, we'll start with Max Borenstein. This is the third film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average 4 to 55.67. It's his only film rated between 25 and 49. Worst film overall. Coming in behind Godzilla, he wrote for all three of the Monster Universe movies. He has a value of 0, a score of 33.4, and is ranked 1137th overall. One spot behind Harry Kleiner, who wrote Bullet. One spot ahead of Damon Lindelof, who wrote Star Trek Into Darkness, among other things. You also have Michael Doherty himself. This is his fourth film credit as a writer, dropping his average film rating to a 39.25. It's his fourth film rating between 25 and 49, and third best movie overall, coming in behind Trick or Treat, and ahead of X-Men Apocalypse. His value of negative 4, a score of 22.17, and is ranked to 3,495th overall, tied with a huge number of other people, and uh, just ahead of Arthur Sheikman. And finally, you have Zach Shields. It's his only film. Average rating of 34. One film between 25 and 49. Value of negative one. Score of 10.33. He has a rank of 6,255th overall. Tied with a bunch of other people. One spot in front of Johnny Knoxville. Uh, The writing is the worst part of this movie. It is by far the worst. There are lines of dialogue that don't make sense. The plot is incomprehensible. The character motivations are non-existent or counterintuitive to the characters that they're written as. Uh, half of the characters are just quips, walking quips. Um, it, it just it none of it works. None of that side of things works outside of the action of monsters fighting. This movie has nothing. It really doesn't. So actors in this movie. This is, I guess, like, it has a good cast going for it, but when you waste them, you kind of squander any goodwill you've earned. So, uh, we'll start out with Sally Hawkins. This is her 22nd film credit, dropping her average film rate to a 63.41. It's her fifth film, rated between 25 and 49, and 20th best movie overall, coming in behind Cassandra's Dream and ahead of Great Expectations. She has a value of 9.5, a score of 67.63, and is ranked 143rd overall one spot behind Orson Welles, one spot ahead of Denholm Elliott. Sally Hawkins reprising her role from the first Godzilla, and is uh, unceremoniously given nothing to do. Next up is Kyle Chandler. This is his 14th film credit, dropping his average film to a 66.86. It's his third film, rated between 25 and 49, and 12th best movie overall, coming in behind The Kingdom and ahead of The Day the Earth Stood Still. He has a value of 8.5, a score of 67 even, and is ranked 155th overall, tied with James McDonald, one spot behind Edwin Maxwell, one spot ahead of Helen McCrory. He was not in the first movie. He's pretty much the main he's one of the main characters. He's the dad of Millie Bobby Brown and husband to Vera Formiga. Um I was never really sure what his role was supposed to be, if he was just an expert in something, or a you know, if he was supposed to be the scientist, if he was supposed to be the dad, how much of each of those he was supposed to be. I think the movie wanted all of them, and in so doing so, stretches the character way too thin to, to mean, mean anything. Next up is Bradley Whitford. This is the 18th film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average from in 2057.78. It's his fourth film, where right he's between 25 and 49, and 16th best movie overall. Coming in behind, scent of a Woman, and ahead of Billy Madison, he has a value of 3, a score of 55, and is ranked 803rd overall, one spot behind uh, Tony Bentley, one spot ahead of Angus Barnett. Bradley Whitford is a Quip Machine character, that's it. Next up is David Strathairn, this is the 31st film, credit of his I've seen, it drops his average volume to a 53.68, it is his 12th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 24th best movie overall. One spot behind, we are Marshall. One spot ahead of a dangerous woman. He has a value of negative 1.5, a score of 48.92, and is ranked 1,408th overall. He is right behind Charles de Copley and right ahead of Ava Mendez. David Strathairn reprising a role from the previous movie is a military man and is pretty much just there to inform the main characters that he has sent a oxygen bomb. In their direction. Next up is Canada's own Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> this is his 13th film credit, dropping his average film rate to a 52.62. It's his fourth film rate between 25 and 49. Tenth best movie overall, coming in behind The Brass Teapot and ahead of Search Party. He has a value of negative 1.5, a score of 44.1, and is ranked 2007th overall. One spot behind Mirna Loy, and one spot ahead of Velabor Topic. Middleditch is typecast as a Silicon Valley person. O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s fifth film credit, dropping his average film rate to a 57.2. It is his second film rate between 25 and 49, and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Longshot and ahead of Den of Thieves. He has a value of 1.5, a score of 42.36, and is ranked 2,219th overall, one spot behind Anthony Mackie, one spot ahead of Anne Hathaway. Um. yeah, he plays just a just a normal, quippy, army person. Unnecessary. Absolutely unnecessary. Next up is CCH Pounder. Uh, this is her 10th film credit, dropping her average film weight to 51.7. It's her third film, right between 25 and 49, and seventh best movie overall. Coming in behind If These Walls Could Talk, and head of Superman slash Batman colon public enemies in a voice role. She has a value of negative two, a score of 41.08, and is ranked 2,404th overall, one spot behind Rupert Everett, one spot ahead of Bob Hoskins. She plays a senator who has like one line. Uh, I think she direct she talks, she has a conversation with Ken Watanabe's character, and she's like, This is a Senate hearing, and we need to kill the Titans, or convince us not to. Next up is Anthony Ramos. Uh, this is his fourth film credit, dropping his average film rating to a 57 even. It's his only film rated between 25 and 49 and worst movie overall, coming in behind Monsters and Men. He has a value of 0.5, a score of 38.5, and is ranked 2,757th overall, one spot behind Sofia Butella, one spot ahead of Joe Beth Williams. He plays the same exact character as O'Shea Jackson Jr., who both do not need to be in this movie, definitely not together. Uh, but certainly not at all in in any shape or way or form. Next up is Ken Watanabe. This is his 14th film credit, dropping his average film rating to a 46.71. It is his fourth film rated between 25 and 49 and ninth best movie overall, coming in behind Detective Pikachu and ahead of Memoirs of a Geisha. He has a value of negative 4.5, a score of 36.38, and is ranked 3036th overall, one spot behind Ken Marino, one spot ahead of Nick Kroll, Watanabe, reprising his role from the first movie, where he said, let them fight. Um, here, he's sort of trying to pass on his his role, his leadership, his mentorship, whatever, to Kyle Chandler, but he's just not written well enough for that to work, so yeah. Next up is Joe Morton. This is his 15th film credit, dropping his average point to 47.33. It's his 7th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 10th best movie overall coming in behind Apt Pupil, ahead of Forever Young. He has a value of negative 5.5, a score of 36.26, and is ranked 3,049th overall. One spot behind Piper Parabo, one spot ahead of Jack Keller. Joe Morton. Um, I think he's a doctor at one point. I think he answers a phone call. Joe Morton, in here just to answer a phone call, if I'm remembering correctly. Maybe. Next up is Zhang Ziyi. This is her 8th film credit, dropping her average a 2048 even. It is her 3rd film, rated between 25 and 49, and 5th best movie overall, coming in behind The Grand Master and ahead of Memoirs of a Geisha. She has value of negative 2.5, a score of 35.9, and is ranked 3,102nd overall, one spot behind Dolly Wells, one spot ahead of Tim Curry. She plays the twins. Uh, I don't know if I talked about the twins I don't think I talked about the twins this episode. I talked about it before when I first recorded this and then lost it. Um, There's character twins, twin characters in this movie, played by Zhang Ziyi. Uh, If you've seen Mothra in a Godzilla movie, then you get that. Uh, But they're not explained. There's a picture of twins, and we see both of her twin characters. But it's never acknowledged in the movie for no reason at all. And so it kind of feels like she just teleports around the world. And it's bad. Next up is Vera Formiga. This is her 22nd film credit, dropping her average film rate to a 47.59. It is her ninth film, rated between 25 and 49, and 17th best movie overall. Coming in behind Captive State and ahead of The Front Runner, she has a value of negative 10, a score of 33.63, and is ranked 3,381st overall. One spot behind Laz Alonso*, one spot ahead of Anna Kendrick. Um. Her character motivations are garbage. Uh, She's kind of one of the main characters and yeah, Vera Farmiga. Next up is Charles Dance. This is his 18th film credit, dropping his average filmmaking to a 39.33. It is his 8th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 11th best movie overall. Coming in behind Johnny English Strikes Again, which I have spelled wrong here and just ahead of Your Highness. He has a value of negative 14, a score of 21.4, and is ranked 4,432nd overall, one spot behind a bunch of people, including uh, Marina de Tavira, uh, one spot ahead of John Bennett Perry. He is typecast as a British villain. His character is literally just a British villain, and there's nothing else to him. Wrapping us up, I believe, is Millie Bobby Brown. This is her only film, credit, that I've seen. Uh, It's her only film, so average rating of 34. One film between 25 and 49. Best film, worst film, value of negative one. Score of 10.3. Rank 48, 4811. She is fine. I like Millie Bobby Brown. I like her in Stranger Things quite a bit. In Godzilla King of the Monsters, she is just okay. And her... Just her character does so many stupid things and makes many bad decisions that don't feel authentic or real. So, there's that. Okay, those are all the actors. Yes, we're still recording. Okay, good. Um, Whew, man. Uh, No Academy Awards, I think the only thing it really could contend in is visual effects. Probably makes the shortlist, I doubt it gets nominated, definitely can't win. As far as Circle Film Awards go, it is currently nominated for special effects, but it's early in the year, we'll see if it can hold on to that spot, I think it's unlikely. Um, As far as the year is concerned, it is the 101st film I've seen from 2019 dropping the average rating of those films to 40.47, their tomato meters to 61.87, is the 18th action, 19th adventure, 18th fantasy, and 18th sci-fi film from this year, the 62nd bad film, dropping the ratio of good-to-bad films from 2019 to 0.37, it is the f- part of the 51.49% of films to pass the Bechtel test with a 3, and it is the 30th PG-13 film. It is one of the 79 films on my spreadsheet that currently has a score of 34. Some of the other films that also have a 34, The Prodigy from this year, going back, you have Best Picture winner, Green Book, Uh, The Meg, Fahrenheit 451, Finding Your Feet, Zookeeper's Wife, Downsizing, How to Be a Latin Lover, Wonder Wheel, Paris Can Wait, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, Live By Night, Sisters Home, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Dom Hemingway, Horns, G.I. Joe Retaliation, uh, Rock of Ages, Tower Heist, Etc. Lots. Um, that's it. Oh my goodness. Um, this is a little shorter. I think the original episode was about twenty-five to thirty minutes long. This one's going to clock in around twenty. Apologies um, if it felt a little rushed. Uh, can you know? It's never, never fun to have to record something twice. Uh, but we got through it. We did get through it with time to spare. So. Whew. Uh, again, I don't recommend going to see this if you haven't yet. And uh, it seems like nobody really wants to with how poorly it's doing at the box office compared to the first one. I guess I'm still looking forward to Kong vs. Godzilla. But i really worried it's going to be a Batman v Superman situation. Um, so we'll see how that goes thank you for listening to today's episode, it does mean a lot if you would like to find more episodes they can be found on like iTunes many things, you can also head over to the website circlefilm.com, all the episodes are over there you can also find a lot of other things on the website, including Circle Film Awards from, from 2011 to 2019 uh, top 10 lists all those that all that kind of jazz you can find me follow me on Twitter at Circle of Film, Letterbox at Circle of Film. You can send me an email, circlefilm at gmail.com. Uh, about anything, everything. Love getting emails. Happy to respond. Uh, you can support the show by liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, or by going to patreon.com slash circleoffilm and uh, becoming a patron for as little as eight cents an episode. Um, you know, whatever's easiest for you, that's what I want you to do. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and as always, as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she.